0: You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the show, this is Eli Steenlidge, and with me as always is... Jeremy Holliday. And on this episode we are talking about guilty pleasures, which uh, should be a fun episode. Yeah, if you say it it in a saucy saucy, voice. Yeah, it helps if you say it that way. We thought this would be a fun topic to go over to... You know share some of the things that we may not normally feel like we could talk about but um, why we might feel that way like we have to talk about serious you know art film and issues and things like that in the media that we watch so what is it about our guilty pleasures that makes us feel like we can't have that conversation with um, with everybody maybe in every sphere of people that we surround ourselves with so Uh, There's a few topics I want to talk about connected to what makes up guilty pleasure. And I think even in just the last few years, because there's so much media, those sort of barriers of what we would consider guilty guilty pleasures has kind of broken down in general. Like we talk a lot about Star Wars on the show. And I think before these new Disney films came out, Certain crowds you might be in, Star Wars would be still considered sort of a geeky kids type movies that like, you know, only us like kid like adults would be into. But serious adults wouldn't be into that serious men. Uh, But now everybody loves Star Wars. Everybody goes see Star Wars. So I think things are, are sort of breaking down in that sense. But I think we could uh, try to define it in terms of like traditionally like low art and high art, sort of like B movies and then more like art films, kind of the the contrast between those things. In some ways, I I think to give it sort of a metaphor to try to explain, I was thinking lately uh, I've been trying to eat healthier. So good for you. Thank you. And so I've been trying to eat mostly vegetables and salads for lunch. That's also great. That's also great. W-
1: what is this show about?
0: Uh, so <laughs> so uh, follow track with me. So I think in some ways uh, we think of the difference between like the good things we watch compared yeah. to the bad things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good things are like healthy fresh food that we get this Mm -hmm. nourishment from it right we feel better because we watch them um like we we gain something about ourselves something like that whereas compared to like having a treat uh some sort of sugary snack Mm -hmm. um it's something we enjoy but maybe we don't feel the best about it right Uh afterwards Uh um we may not feel full in the way that really like makes us feel good later we Mm -hmm. might say like maybe i shouldn't have done that like um should i really have binged that tv show is that really how i should have used my time instead of watching you know a educational documentary or something like that Mm -hmm. um that i could use my time so i think i'm not saying that's correct or true necessarily but it's the way we've maybe Been set up in our culture to understand what we watch traditionally and i want to give some background Uh, the term guilty pleasures from what i understand related to like film criticism yeah showed up in the late 70s in film comment magazine and so directors and critics um they had a regular column where they would share their guilty pleasures so roger ebert for example did the first the first article and um, Martin Scorsese did a famous one where he talked about um, Howard Hawks movie, a lesser known Howard Hawks. Like he's like, actually, one of my favorites is not like the really good Howard Hawks movie. It's kind of like a bad one um, that people kind of consider. But he's like, I appreciate, I learned I- a lot of things from it. I wanted to watch it like all the time, but it's not really like the answer that you would give for the best Howard Hawks film. And then in the early '80s. Uh, John Waters did the series in the magazine and he uh, kind of broke things up and said sort of the opposite in sort of his sphere so he said people that I talk to I would be looked down on if I like recommended to my friends you know like uh, a pasolini film or um some sort of you know arty foreign films um and they'd be you know angry at him for being like what did you make me watch this slow boring film right for? subtitles yeah the right so uh and he i think obviously like embraced sort of the b-movie or um the the film aesthetics that normally wouldn't be considered with sort of arty film um in his world so that kind of upturned what we would kind of consider so those are just sort of the beginnings of it but i guess for me just kind of trying to define it for myself would be things that i know aren't necessarily the best stories or narratives best written things um but they bring me a lot of enjoyment in watching them i appreciate aspects and can't deny the sort of fun that i have watching them um And I think also traditionally it comes from certain genres that we might consider more guilty pleasures, like uh, teen dramas, melodrama, horror, schlocky horror, um, reality TV. So we can touch on some of those more. But what, for you, Jeremy, would you say kind of constitutes for you when you think of um, guilty pleasure viewing?
1: Well, I mean, so, I mean, my... At the beginning, like I don't, I don't put much stock in the concept of a guilty pleasure. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, yeah. I, of course, yeah. right. Um, because it's like if, if something is good and enjoyable, mm-hmm. then it doesn't. You don't have to feel bad about it. Right. Right. So, then it's because I mean, but I, I do think it is true that, um, mm-hmm. like, a uh, the group that you're in and the genre of the film you're watching is, mm-hmm. is definitely a thing. I mean, like, yeah. there are certain people that like you know among among like among my tribe yeah. you know of nerd geeks like mm-hmm. we can talk about Babylon 5 mm-hmm. um, and The Expanse yeah. um, and without without any shame right um, but if it's a regular crowd like there's a lot of explaining I have to do about well okay so Babylon 5 the production values are really low and suffered <laughs> from like having too many people to helm and, mm-hmm. and you know and there's some like wonky space travel and whatnot, but it's you know it was the first you know but here are the things that pioneered it right mm-hmm. um, you know and you know so in some sense, like there's the caveats you have to put in there, but well, I don't. I know I don't think that it's actually very good. You know, there here's some it, yeah, it suffers from a lot of flaws, mm-hmm. and in some sense that that classifies it as like a guilty pleasure, right? Um, but I just don't put much talk into it. There are a few things that like, um, like the uh, I think it's the Star series Arrow. Okay, watch, I mean See it is. Bit. It's a no I think it might the soap opera network. I think it was, I think it originally
0: It's on CW, isn't it? Yeah. So It's like the teen network.
1: Yeah. Well yeah. I mean I watched it online, so I don't know what was on originally. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, it starts off the first couple of episodes are pretty remarkable and interesting mm-hmm. and different. And then it's just like soap opera.
0: It's just a soap opera. It's like a giant <laughs> Just like relationships and stuff. Yeah,
1: you know, and like you know I mean but um at no I mean at no point when people ask me about it, mm-hmm. um, I would always be like, eh, it's not good, but I, I have a great time <laughs> watching it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and again, like, the, there's a, a summer when I was, I think, probably 12 years old mm-hmm. when I watched Days of Our Lives for an entire summer. <laughs> um, for those Days fans, it was when, I think it was like the first time when Hope was buried alive. <laughs> um, you know, and like, and, and like, I... I could point to it. There's something about in a soap opera the way like time flows or doesn't flow. Mm-hmm. I mean like hope was in that coffin for the entire summer and like every Friday at like 2:58, yeah, like we would see her hand, like we would see the little string bump the little bell and uh-huh. it would almost ring, <laughs> and you know that was like for like three months. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I think that there's and. I understand that there's folks out there that would say it's not. There's not so There's daytime television. There's daytime drama. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people get their starts in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot yeah. of merit to it. Um, but like my experience, in, like growing up of the, you know, the three bigs: General Hospital, Young and the Restless, and Days of Our Lives, um, were definitely like I didn't like I felt bad watching them. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm like oh, I know this is cheesy, but I gotta know what happens. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. You know, and in some sense, um, to be honest, like I. I put like Battlestar, the new Battlestar Galactica, in there at least mm. like past the second season. Right. I'm like, sense. I do not want to watch this show, <laughs> but I have to find out <laughs> who those freaking Cylons are. Right. You know, and like I, you know, I was watching it online, and and it was just like I can't actually skip, and I and I, but the thing is, I didn't, didn't want to skip either. hmm But I felt guilty as I was doing it. I was like, <laughs> oh my god, you know. Yeah. And I think there there are a couple things that sort of exist, and I think for me, like a guilty pleasure is more about like. There's some knowledge of the, the people who make it that they know mm-hmm. that there's like one or two things mm-hmm. that they have going for them, yeah. And they just drag, they break <laughs> you over the coals, you with know, and, and drag you out for this, you know, this whole long time, right? And you just watch And, 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 and that existed, I think, much more in the age of standard broadcast television before mm-hmm. you know all the stuff on the internet, but sometimes even in the with Netflix. Uh, Netflix things, or, you know, Amazon Prime things, things you yeah. can stream, I'm like, sometimes I just don't want to skip. I mean, like, I could, mm-hmm. I, was like, I, can, I can always just look it up on Google, right. but I, know I don't what want happens. to. Like, yeah. I, I want to I follow you, you on this journey, mm-hmm. but I also, like, don't, like, why are you telling me all this other stuff?
0: <laughs> True. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think sort of what you're touching on a little bit is the escapism of guilty pleasures. Yeah. Like, uh, they sort of, like, fall into easily digestible genre conventions like yeah. the soap opera you know how it works like and you I, know the structures
1: i love vampire movies too vampire I, I movies yeah i yeah. never not watch a vampire movie. Yeah. i don't care what it is like, mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah you just follow yeah it's always interesting and maybe they do something a little bit different yeah um and that's kind of what maybe some of the pleasure comes from but i think in general like those like let's say vampire films or um I do enjoy the occasional um, rom-com because you know how it works, right? You know how it's going to flow, but there's enjoyment of sort of seeing it play out, um, these different things. So I think that's part of it. You know, um, uh, recently on Netflix, it's kind of becoming uh, a phenomenon a little bit, but they released sort of a a little more quality um, rom-com, but it's still basic like 90s style rom-com when they were kind of in their heyday called set it up and so i watched it with my wife and there was a certain amount of enjoyment from knowing like beat for beat what's going to happen there's going to be the point where there's some obstacle that comes up in front of them it uses like classic music you know um like we got in the 90s and all those films but it does do a few unique things um along the way it throws in some kinks. Uh, and I think also it was interesting to know that the writers and the filmmakers also know that we know these conventions and so they try to kind of throw a little bit unique things in or the characters like reference you know other stories like this to say oh it's like this happening Um, so uh, I think all of those things play into the cliches that we know but that's comforting in a lot of ways to know that those expectations are coming. Like uh, like I was saying kind of with like the meal thing, like sometimes it's more work to eat that healthy food. Like you want the sugar, you want those things. Um, so I think it it goes down a little bit smoother and sometimes it's nice to have yeah, that as I well. Mean, yeah, I hear you. I
1: mean, yeah. there's also like um, I mentioned before, I mean, one of the things that I like sort of grew up with is um, like – I kind of can't stand, like, very serious, period, historical films. Mm. Um, You know, it's like, I mean, and like, and as I've said before, like, I I love, like, you know, uh, Dostoevsky. I love, like, Mm. super long, (laughs) super long Russian novels, with a billion people in them. Yeah. But, you know, in, like, in Anna Karenina and in War and Peace... Like, you have, you know, like, in One Piece, you have Pierre, this crazy character tearing through this world. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Levin um, in Anna Karenina, you know, like, this this sort of counterpoint to all of this stuff, the person that stands out. Mm-hmm. And it makes it really interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then, like, so many, like, very important, serious, historical... Like Atonement? Thing. Like Atonement. Don't. <laughs> not fair. Don't get you started. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, where it's like, I'm... Yeah. I don't actually feel these feelings, but I'm mm. I'm supposed to because right. this is history and really important. And mm-hmm. part of it is part of it is like I just it just doesn't do it for me. Mm. Like I like I, I don't think people really were ever really like that mm. all all the time. All the time, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, like I love myself. Uh, some Doubt Abbey, right? Yeah, because you get you get different portrayals of people. Like you have, mm-hmm. it, and they're they're great.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. even I think. Uh, watching Downton Abbey after a few seasons, like, I couldn't take it anymore a little no, bit. It's, like, it's, again, it's, it's like, dumb. it starts out, like, this is a pretty good plot, good stories, and then it just becomes, like, soap opera-y. Yeah, yeah. And it's just all about that, and uh, who's having an abortion, or who's, you know, this secret. And so I was like, okay, I'm not sure that I can take yeah. any more of this. Yeah,
1: but the first two seasons good. Yeah. Um, and so, um, for me, because there's also, I think, of sort of, um, like sort of, like, the hyper examples of guilty pleasures in some sense, like, you might say, like, a cult classic. hmm Right? Like, yeah. um, uh, You know, like, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. hmm Which is something that I, like, I, I was kind of into a little bit in my life, but have met some friends in my older years who were, like, super into it. And I just, you know, and uh, understood the entire world of people loving and watching the show and sort of, you know, yeah. like, amazing. And also, like, and seeing the, like, decadent glory of all of its absurdity, you <laughs> right. know? Right, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in that, like... You know, because it, it's... Uh, in some sense, it's, like, not trying to be anything that it's not. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not trying to be a serious film, yeah. but it's all... I mean, but, you know, or, or like, a straightforward mm-hmm. film. Um In that sense, it's, like, it's great. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, it doesn't... And, I like, there's not much I... Not much I can ever really say against a film that... um doesn't try to be something that it's not. Yeah, and so another example is like the Big Lebowski, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I mean, it. I'm, I'm not into it. It's totally fine. I have nothing against it. Like I, I mean, I'm
0: oddly I, with you, but I know there's yes. No, I mean like I, people that love it so. Yeah, much. no. And I, yeah. I mean,
1: I uh, a friend of mine when I first saw it, they're like, "You guys, this is the most amazing yeah. movie. It's like amazing." And it's one of those things like I watched it. And I was like, "Oh yeah, I've actually seen this before." And they're like, have <laughs> "You seen this before?" And I was like, "Yeah." And they're like, "Isn't it amazing?" And I'm like. What part? <laughs> what, you know, and and like I got, I'm not against it. Some people, yeah. like I mean, like yeah. I know a friend of mine who goes to like Lebowski Festival. I was gonna say here. there's like a festival yeah. or something, yeah. Um, and it's like, uh, it's a phenomenon, mm-hmm. you know, and the people that like it, it creates its own sort of phenomenon. Um, and I think that it's, uh, it's one of those things that like, I think based on your sort of standard of like guilty pleasures, there's a lot of folks that certainly look down on. it. They're like, why do you like that? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's. For those that are really into it, um, it's so self-evidently enjoyable that, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, because, I mean, it's not like a good something or other. It's just amazingly entertaining, you know, hour and a half of your life.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, the great thing about sort of, like, the modern place we're in with media is that we can all sort of have our niche sort of thing we like, too, Um, can be if we it's a little bit different than maybe exactly like guilty pleasure, but it's on that same spectrum, you know, um, like Wes Anderson movies are not for everybody. Like some people just don't get them. Um, but some people love them like me. Uh, and I would almost put like, uh, you know, like labyrinth or the dark crystal, I think, in some of those categories, a little bit of that is nostalgia, but like, If someone now had never seen those, I think they would consider them sort of bad. Um, A little bit cheesy, or... You're turning them thin ice there. I know. No, I love them, I mean, are
1: fine, but the Dark Crystal?
0: Yeah. Uh are pretty gay, which um, Netflix is updating uh, Dark Crystal, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New series. But, like, uh, so to kind of with your examples of, like, classics, like, as a kid I would watch the old Doctor Who or the British Avengers series. Yeah. Which, you know, you see things like sets moving and, like, obvious sort of mistakes and bad production. But, like, there's just a certain like style to them that is also enjoyable and that you sort of go with and like a lot of the stories get sort of retread and they kind of like follow the same path in a lot of episodes but again you're sort of comfortable in some of those um, conventions. Yeah,
1: I have like complained about this uh, before but like after watching um, Avengers Infinity War. (laughs) um, To
0: bring up a different Avengers yeah.
1: Yeah Yeah. I was I mean like there's some sense that I, I at the end of that film I was like you have so killed my desire to ever watch another one of your films that like I could care less yeah. what you make next like yeah. I, I have like almost no desire mm. to watch any of that um, and I think that was like a they that took a lot of work for them to strip mm. that desire from right. me. Um but I think that uh, well there's two things I want to say one like uh, guilty pleasures. Mm-hmm. Um, e- even if it's like a bad thing, sort mm-hmm. of or objectively bad or whatever. Yeah. Th- there's always something that's good about it. Mm-hmm. And in some sense, it like it, it forces it to be good. Mm. You know, because like it, like like the Tom Baker um, Doctor, Doctor Who, who yeah. like he was so charismatic mm. that like it, it didn't Kinda matter elevated, that it was it, bad. Yeah, and it also like. It wouldn't have existed had he had that not been there, mm-hmm. you know. And so it, in some sense, and that as that element of a guilty pleasure is that it's very uneven. Yeah, you know that there's some parts of it that are not good, mm-hmm. and there's some parts of it that are sort of stand out. Yeah, and I think that there, there's a period of time when that stuff passed. Mm-hmm. It 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 doesn't pass much anymore. I mean, yeah. Um, it, and again, I mean, and this is where I wanted to go. Like, so we get. Avengers Infinity War like mm-hmm. so well put together and so boring <laughs> it's like Gladiator right. um, which again I know people like Gladiator uh-huh.
0: um I was so bored, stodgy and yeah and I was yeah. like what
1: are we too self important who right? cares about these people what is at stake <laughs> like
0: yeah. they're all I mean who cares
1: <laughs> um it's like oh cool like fire arrows at the beginning and that's about it
0: yeah um I mean, I think you're bringing up another element too of sort of modern like film criticism and stuff is that we kind of get this sense from like critics that, let's say, the Marvel films or any of these big series, um, Fast and Furious, which I am not a fan of. First one is good. Haven't I, I think the first one is good? I, I think I've only seen the first one, I think the first so I can't say. Is so and then mine would be like Mission Impossible, where they sort of get this sense now where you're like, Oh well I have to review this thing and so I might yeah. sign some merit in it. And then you find some critics who might be like, Hey, this is actually good. Or like one of you know, yeah. they find like a new one in the series and they'd be like, Hey, you should actually pay attention to this. This is well made. Um, I generally it's think
1: marketing. It's just this marketing. marketing,
0: yeah, yeah. So again, like the Marvel films, like, there are some good ones in there, and we uh, talked oh, about yes. some mm-hmm. of those. And so I think Um, you have to have that sort of balance. But I think we all sort of have a little bit of, like, our, like, blockbusters that we sort of love. So another one would be, um, as we're recording this, uh, Jurassic World came out recently. Uh And I don't think, besides the original, I think you brought up the original on one of our recent podcasts. Uh, Besides that one, I wouldn't say the other ones are particularly great in any way. And the first one is great, I think. Um... But in the same breath, you get Spielberg releasing Schindler's List. In the same year, he released Jurassic Park. And I think it was sort of like, here's a serious film for you. And then here's like an entertaining film. Um, here's a fun, uh, fun movie to, to eat popcorn to. Um, but I think they're both very well made and well constructed. But there is something in me that's still like, mm, I've heard the new Jurassic World is bad. The first Jurassic World was pretty bad. Bad characters, um, bad chemistry. Not really interesting story that they're taking in. But half of me wants to go see rampaging dinosaurs in the theater on a big screen. Um, Because it is, it's fun. Um, So I think there is a certain element of that. And uh, the Mission Impossible films, I think, offer, you know, each time those sort of unique things. There's always playing off that first film somewhere they have to break into that is, of course literally like impossible supposedly so they have to figure out how to do it and the pleasure is in seeing the style and the way that they um film that and they pull that off uh that you know i i certainly sort of relish in and enjoy and go back and watch um and and i think maybe we could also talk about like what elements sort of keep it from becoming just like a bad film that we could sort of like make fun of and enjoy in a certain way and what makes it like you can defend and say hey this is actually good because i think in some ways the last couple uh mission impossible films are quite excellent um i mean they got brad bird to do his first live action film um and he does a great job christopher mccrory um kind of brought back and i think he's he's bringing a lot of classic elements jj abrams first live action directing um so i think it's those sort of actually pretty good directors getting to play in this world where they can have fun and show off um and if it's sort of done well these genres that we kind of consider or these constructs that we consider uh sort of guilty pleasure genres are sort of elevated in some way that we can enjoy um so that's kind of playing on the borderline because i think i'm dancing around like Hey, this is actually good. It's not a guilty pleasure. But yet, you're like trying to defend to people who say, like, oh, those silly Tom Cruise movies or whatever, silly dinosaur movies. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, my friend Tim um, makes this argument about a lot of like sci fi stuff. Hmm. Um, And his argument is as follows. He's like, why is it in space? Like, everything that's happening with these characters Mm -hmm. can happen on a planet on earth <laughs> right. with things and stakes that we know. Like, mm-hmm. the space is unimportant. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I, and I make the argument, there are a few cases um, that, like, where space is a character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, just so the audience knows, I think there's not a better example of that than The Expanse, yeah. which just finished its third season, and is yeah. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but there is a sense, too, this is, like, my sort of grumpy argument. It's yeah. like, you had to take Atonement or Dunkirk or a whole variety of very serious historical things. Mm-hmm. It's like it, if you if you take what the things that they're referencing and sort of shift them somewhere else, and the emotional mm-hmm. dynamics are the same, it it isn't all that much different than a lot of other films. Yeah, um, which is not to like trivialize anyway the importance of time periods, people, mm-hmm. important historical events. Right. It's just like there's a difference between. And so, like, there's difference between like making a film about something, a historical event that personally impacted you, mm-hmm. and choosing a historical event which has some cool quirks about it that mm-hmm. makes for an interesting background for a story you're about to tell. Right. Um, which is in some sense like, yeah, no, it's about really important moment in 1930. You know, yeah. cool. It's like, yeah, but it's you're writing a story. Like, mm-hmm. even if it's based on this sort of historical event. It's ultimately your story, and it's ultimately like your character interplay, and this just becomes like, oh, but like we've got this really expensive background. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I don't, you know, I mean, it it just it it rarely impresses me. Yeah, Um, and I know you. So you you have been pushing this bit about like, uh, like uh, like there's some films we might have watched in our childhood, for example, like Krull or Beastmaster or Conan. Yeah, and in the first two. Um, that, like, are they're like in for us, they are sort of guilty pleasures to look back on, mm-hmm. um, or like the Ewok movies. Yeah, um, and you know, um, I just can't in general describe them as something that I have shame about, mm. um, you know, because it's you know, I. And it's just like if they were they were entertaining Yeah. like even even, even Conan the Barbarian cut down to like be TV acceptable mm-hmm. on, on TBS on a Saturday yeah. was like one of the greatest <laughs> things that could possibly be on there or like MacGyver right. yeah, Like, yeah. I know there are not a lot of people that like MacGyver they're all silly because um, yeah. it's a fantabulous I show love MacGyver, yeah. yeah and like many of us did mm-hmm. and it doesn't and like just because um I think there's a point, like, I just, whether we're defending it as inherently good or whatever, mm-hmm. like, there's some level of internal consistency or quality um, that I find most important. Mm. Like, MacGyver never becomes something else. It's from beginning to end MacGyver. <laughs> you know, and like I mean, the, the the classic example which I which people always point to, sort of in U.S. television criticism, mm-hmm. is Happy Days with the jumping the shark, right? Mm. The a, a point in the show, which I mean, I used to watch it and reruns. I never saw it, but I yeah. read about it Very since, bad. where like Fonz is going to like jump sharks, you know, and then <laughs> they're like the the show has run out of stuff.
0: I've had ideas, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and you
1: know, it's like at that point that like. the the show like loses its integrity Hmm. or like even like I I watched Cheers when I was like a teenager Mm -hmm. and like the last two seasons or something like there's nothing going on yeah you know and even like through the two marriages and all it's like it's just you're just Just keeping the show going yeah yeah and and the same I mean the same as I mean I have my own problems with Seinfeld I enjoyed it immensely in many points Mm -hmm. I think it's ethically ambiguous at (laughs) absolute best but um, you know there's a point where it's like they're just making you're making TV Mm mm-hmm um, or you know, or like, or you're making the second or third movie and something. Yeah, and I'm like, that's like I could, I could care less about that. Because, mm-hmm. um, but but if you're gonna make a show, like for example, like Beastmaster, about a guy who has the ability to like see through these different animals yeah. and is entertaining, even when you're like 13, like I don't care, and mm-hmm. I'll watch it again as an adult. Um, and you know, it, it's almost exclusively a nostalgic, a nostalgic experience. Yeah, but I don't. I don't, know. I, I don't like to discount that because hmm. I don't like to, I mean, I'm using evocative language, but I don't like to denigrate like the 13 year old me and we're like, well, you don't know. Yeah. You know, like you don't know what you like. Right.
0: Um, Cause he did, you know, and like. Um, yeah. I mean, I think there's something you were kind of touching on there too, that say, some of these, like, classics from our youth, or we see different faces, like your uh, vampire film example, like you are a sucker for watching whatever kind of vampire. But I think as sort of cultural critics that we may be um, looking at it and thinking, I think anybody can do this, but um, you can see the development of the vampire genre through history, and we might say, you know, newer developments like 28 Days Later. Where the zombies uh that's zombie, I'm sorry. Um, but the zombies get fast um, yeah, in that yeah, film. Yeah. Well let's take um, And Twenty Eight
1: Days Later is a great film. Yeah. Like it is from any standpoint. Yeah, yeah, I think.
0: Yeah. But let's say in the past vampires were very like sort of uh, like sexy but like yeah. dangerous and yeah. maybe have to do with like you have like a sickness or something to represent. And then we get to like Twilight where vampires are kind of beautiful and like, um, something alluring that you want to yeah. become. And it's a very sort of like sanitized version of vampires, um, yeah. in a lot of ways. And I think it's interesting to look at, I don't know that a lot of people would say the Twilight films are anything great. I've only seen the first one, honestly. I've seen them all. And, With but, no we love them. <laughs> but I think, uh, you have to kind of look at it and say like, why were these so popular? Like, what is going on that this is tapping into um, the current culture and what people are wanting to get out of this genre mm-hmm. um, that they're seeing that's different than maybe, like, even 10 years before those films mm-hmm. came out. So I think there is, for me, a certain interest in, and some pleasure in watching that. I mean, my wife kind of just says, like, well, you just, like, watch everything. But there is sort of this um, curiosity I have to say, like, You know why are other people enjoying it so much um maybe i will find you know some enjoyment watching it too and uh seeing what other people are seeing in these things so i think as genre wise we can see a lot of those uh different changes and i think with zombie films we see sort of the fear um and this anxiety in our society that comes out and it's the fears change um as what's happening in our, in our world. Yeah. yeah. Around you know, i like, you yeah. know what,
1: again, like also too, with like the Star Wars films, like mm-hmm. what the, what the evil represents and what the, you know, what the good represents are sort of more, more culture. Yeah. Um, I mean, but for me, I mean, I mean, I'm sure you know, I would say this, but I mean, some element of like the designation of guilty pleasure is about like snobbery. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about like, well, I mean like who, I mean, who cares about right. Twilight? It's just a bunch of like tweens reading it. Yeah. Um, I love the Twilight book. <laughs> um, you know, and I also liked. I mean, I think she was written another novel, but um, after The Host, I probably have talked about. what her, mm-hmm. she wrote a fourth novel, a fifth novel, which was um, The Host. It, it, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a sci-fi. Totally story, yeah. yeah. it takes place on Earth, sci-fi, mm-hmm. near future. It's great. Um, it just has a horrible ending, um, which I, I think is just in there. It, it's it, there's a there's a lot of like, um, well, all I'll say is like, even in the future when aliens almost take over the world. Uh, uh, good old-fashioned Mormon values are still important to people. <laughs> right. And so there's some element of that that gets tucked into what could have been an amazing, like, cross-species love thing, which mm-hmm. just becomes a horrible, <laughs> horrible ending. She, she just missed the opportunity, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Um, but, like, when you, I mean I, don't know, I mean, I don't know how many people, like, mothers read Twilight because their daughters read, like, oh, this is horrible. I'm like, yeah. but... But are you enjoying it? Mm -hmm. Do you like it? Like, why does it have to be something else? Hmm. And again, I mean, like, if you take a lot of the dynamics of, say, between, like, Anna and Bronsky and Anna Karenina, like, it's not all that different than (laughs) than a whole bunch of romantic comedies, a whole bunch of, like, the elements of Twilight. Yeah. Um, You know, like, why is it that, you know, I'm I'm given, like, Stephanie Meyer is no Mm close to I'm not saying that. Yeah. Um, But, like... I've read both of those things. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed both of those things. Yeah. Um, why is it that... Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, like, you know, and for me, like, there's... Um, the uh, the elevation of art mm-hmm. is not morally neutral, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, internationally right. and across the world, like, it's particular it's kinds of yeah. white people make awards <laughs> to give other white people... For their art to demonstrate how they're more civilized than these barbarians who make barbaric art, right? Right. This is like the,
0: it's the a, it, it's a, it's a small a, group of people saying this, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. it's
1: also like a. I mean, the the height of a lot of this has, comes around during the, the the colonial age. I mean, mm. it's not, you know, mm-hmm. I and mean, even look at how hard it is for. I mean, like what's happened in Britain in the past ten years about the the distribution of like liter or the, or the giving of literary awards to like. South Asians, who have yeah. been a part of British culture for hundreds of years <laughs> um, and have been and have been creating, I mean, yeah. phenomenal art and writing mm-hmm. in English for a very, very long time in their native languages. Um, you know, it, it's just, there's, it, part of it is like growing up in this small town where like <laughs> I was, you know, like I, I just thumbed my nose at a lot of that stuff anyway. I was yeah. like, if it's good, I mean, if it's good, mm-hmm. like it's, I, I'll read it. Um, and I like it but I, I don't want to have to say it's great just because know. some other you know because yeah. it, you know, like, and again like um, in the, in the context of cultures around the world it's it's just in no way mm-hmm. neutral
0: yeah so uh, let's look at an example we share a little bit so we've talked about our sort of uh, love of underworld series yeah. and um, like when, when my Resident evil yeah
1: when my son, uh, first went, my oldest son first went to like one day of daycare uh-huh. and I still had Netflix DVDs. Like yeah. I got all of them <laughs> nice. and watched them. I think I watched them like all twice. Nice. Like in a row. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For a week.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think maybe we can think about like what enjoyment do we find in these? And, and I think again, this is what we've been hinting at. It's, it's very subjective. Like, uh, we're talking about some of these, like, 80s fantasies, like Krull or Conan or something like that. And I know certain friends or family who look at that and, like, it is looking... Like, they're looking at an alien world that they do not understand. Yeah. You know, like, it just does... Like, the costumes How and... How could any
1: human being
0: find enjoyment? You're right. Like, it just doesn't make sense to, um, to them. So, uh, I think, like, what in those series do we find enjoyment in um i think it it can be as simple as like interesting special effects good action um a fun like pulpy story uh i think that we get in those uh for me like the original underworld it was sort of like the visuals even if they were borrowed from blue you know i mean
1: like ultraviolet bullets i mean Mm
0: -hmm. even if it was sort of like a little bit of like a matrix ripoff you know i mean but it's also like
1: like, the matrix did so many things well visually mm -hmm. like why if you're making an action film why would you not not use yeah i mean like it's like they can't i mean yeah. if you're gonna copy copy from the best Mm -hmm.
0: um so yeah i mean i think uh so all of those things sort of like blended but again like maybe that's more of, I'm not going to say exclusively, but more like a male perspective on enjoyment of a film or something. Would you you agree with that? Yeah, I
1: mean, I don't, um, yeah, I mean, I think most of the people, well, most of the people that I know who like the Underworld series are mostly dudes and like fairly (laughs) goth-ish who are into, like, I mean, like when I was like, um, like the same folks that would have been into The Crow. Um, uh, yeah, which is a fabulous. Yeah. Film. Similar, yeah. Yeah, Similar I mean, but yeah, like in a, yeah. yeah, a particular aesthetic, a particular like genre of art, life style mm. approach. Um, and Underworld
0: is kind of like mainstreaming that crow aesthetic a little bit, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: It, it's, you know, it's crow. like Bring it to a wider without audience. The deep, angsty emotions, kind of. Right. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, I uh, I also really at that same time, of my life when I was watching Underworld, I also really. I watched like all the Resident Evil movies. There were like two or three. Mm-hmm. I don't actually know, and I don't remember there's a the lot plots now, yeah. of them. I only remember the first one um, very well. But like, I played the video game. Played yeah. the Original Resident Evil, Resident Evil Two, um, and it was just. I mean, like, I, there was a time. I mm-hmm. mean, which some folks won't remember. Well like, it was just cool to see a movie based on a game. Because remember, people were like, True. oh my God, there's a there's a movie of. Film based on a video game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, I mean, you you know, even then I'm like, as soon as like like video games are going to make billions of dollars and then you're mm-hmm. going to talk, it's then like, it's all about economics. It's yeah. like, it, in some sense, it's not entirely about art. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, it's like, I mean, how many... There are plenty of like cop movies. Like my dad watched all the Dirty hairy movies. Plenty of westerns. Yeah. With which you're like about the same thing. Right. I mean, whether it's you know like uh, ultraviolet bullets or mm-hmm. the silver bullet or the peacemaker. I mean, it's the same <laughs> story. Right. Um, it's just a matter of like what sort of context it's mm-hmm. in. In um, the context, I think is what part of what attracts people to it. I mean. Yeah. True. I mean, there yeah. are like there are some some phenomenal westerns that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, the genre, I'm like, yeah, you know, doesn't do like, much for you. Yeah. yeah, but I'll like watch a samurai film or mm-hmm. a Hindi. There's like, some genres that I'm like, I this watch is, like the setting. any. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, because I like that genre. Mm-hmm. um Yeah, I think... but it, but it's like even sometimes um keeping with sort of my guilty pleasure standard. There, there are plenty of times in Resident Evil two or three or somewhere somewhere yeah. along the line where I was like. I don't, you know, someone's like, oh, it's like the, the point in the film, which happens in many mm-hmm. mediocre films, yeah. where someone has to like yell a few lines of dialogue <laughs> to somehow connect what you just saw yeah. with what you're about to see so you can get to the action scene. Mm-hmm. Then that's what I'm like, oh, man, you know, it's like. Yeah you know, like, eating the bacon cheeseburger. Right. You're like, I should have done that. yeah. Yeah. Um, Because it's like, they even know. They're like, yeah, I don't know, it doesn't work, but just wait till we get to the shooting.
0: Right. I mean, I think that's exactly true of, like, uh, one of the underworld films does not have the main characters in it, and it's, like, a prequel, Mm -hmm. like, historical more going back. And I remember, like, watching, I was like, okay, it's in this world, but you can tell there's, like, a difference in the quality sort of but again you're kind of looking for like i know there's going to be an awesome fight between werewolves and vampires coming up and that's sort of the pleasure you get out of it and i think also we sort of hit that level of like yeah we're going to combine vampires and werewolf movie together and have this like world created around that um which i think adds adds a new element that makes us curious
1: and also there's an element of like um in those genres where uh, one of the things that I like about vampire films um, and, like, Underworld or other Mm -hmm. sort of things is that they do a thing which is um, they make the rules, like, very explicit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, like, that's, for me, that's, like, always appealing. Mm. Like, I think, like, the real world is very complicated. yeah, And it's not... Ever really clear off, or some very rarely clear, like what the rules are about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, like how do you do, how do you get what you want? How do yeah. you deal with the situation? You know, mm-hmm. um, and in, in these films, there's like with vampires, there are rules about vampires. Mm-hmm. Like there are rules about werewolves, yeah, and someone who is aware of those rules and clever mm-hmm. can achieve their goals inside of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I find I always find that interesting. Like yeah. the, like that genre, I think right. is compelling for that reason. And like it's it's in some sense like so relieving and also exciting in the same mm-hmm. way that like um, you know, like criminal stories are as well. Yeah. You know, like you're there are they're bounded by laws. There's sort of this system of how we know how our detective operates you mm-hmm. know There's we are sort of tightening the net right um, and we know that justice and truth will be served eventually yeah, yeah if it's Sherlock Holmes or something like that um and so I find that like um that's kind of one of the reasons why like I am always like I'll always watch a vampire film mm-hmm. it.
0: um it, it is interesting like just purely looking at I'm trying to like get to the base of what gives me like the feeling that this is guilty pleasure viewing what I'm looking at when I'm watching something or when I'm going to, like, tell somebody about it. So, like, my main example would be a CW show, Riverdale, which is the Archie characters in, like, a murder mystery, like, noir-style teenage drama. Um, And so, like, I had heard the show was coming out, sounded ridiculous, saw some previews of it, looked intriguing and uh and so I was like oh, I'll watch an episode and was like totally hooked I was like actually this show is great this is amazing and I think still like um I watched it first and then told my wife about it and then she sort of like caught up and uh I think still like when we happen to watch it together because the season two just came out on Netflix uh that I still have to be like that moment was ridiculous. I can't believe this is happening. But look how beautiful this show looks. Like, that lighting is amazing. That's, like, nothing else on TV. So, like, I find myself, like, qualifying, like, the show is horrible. But look how great it looks. It's worth yeah. it for how how it looks, right? It's, like, part of that. Um... And I find like not wanting to talk, tell people like I watch yeah. it.
1: Um, I, I think that that is, I mean, because if if we go back to the classic examples which you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the heart of it is about how you treat other people, like how you tell other people. How you about tell
0: it. other people, yeah.
1: Especially if you're like not, you're like yeah. yeah, you know, like someone's asking you. It's like when someone asks me like what my favorite film is. Yeah. I'm always like, I'm like, oh god, I'm like, what kind of person do you want me to be? Like, <laughs> yeah. What is it? Like, you know, it's like well, it's like uh, Amelie, right? Or right. Really, yeah. or, you know, I mean, I love Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge is my favorite. Yeah. But it's like you know, if I'm standing on a desert island, you mm-hmm. know, it's like the first Iron Man, maybe. Yeah. Or like
0: the Lego Movie. You know, I mean, there's <laughs> like, like what like would a, you want to watch a yeah, lot over and over again? Um, you know, yeah. you know, I mean, there's,
1: you know. Um, Iron Giant. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's so many that yeah. I'm like, I, I, I can never pick. I hate that question. Yeah. No offense to people who ask it. I don't. I'm right. Just, I you get can't. that a lot, yeah. 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 Um, but I do think that, you know, like there's, um, like I'm watching this British series called Peep Show. Okay. Um, it's it, There's nothing naughty about it at all. <laughs> right. I, mean, I don't yeah. know entirely. Anyway, yeah. you know, British. So... with these two two like roommates one's like a banker one's like a wannabe musician anyway Uh it's very funny and it has this um style where they uh do like they kind of show the person's perspective Mm -hmm. like like what like they're drinking coffee or they're kissing someone or Uh and you and you hear inside both of the two main characters heads but you don't hear inside anybody else's Uh, it's really funny yeah um the first season is a little rough, mm. um, and I, you know, and I was like, you know, because I was suggested to me by a friend, you know, like yeah. it's good. You know, I think they're like eight seasons, and it, and mm-hmm. it, and it gets much better than the first one. But there's a couple moments in the first one where I was like, whoa, like I'm like, and it's the show itself <laughs> is, um, does, it is like pretty body, yeah, at points in a way that like American television is not. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, oh, this is talked about that. Wow, on okay. TV, okay, yeah. you know, you know. And so, <laughs> Um, but like I wasn't telling anyone. Right, that. right, yeah, like, yeah. But like, in the third season, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's great. It's good, yeah. Um, but I think that there's uh, the and there's even some like um, yeah, the, there's some shows that I've watched that I'm like I'm not really gonna I'm not I'm not gonna not say about it. Right, but, like I'm not, I'm gonna, not gonna go gonna, out of my way. You're not to gonna go out of tell yeah, people yeah. that I like the show.
0: I mean, I think that also has to do again with like who we're around. Yeah um so like uh somebody at work um mentioned like oh you watch Riverdale like saw me watching it or something and they're like oh it's so good and I was like then I could like gleefully be like yes, yeah you did I yeah. know it's so uh. good like you need to watch it and they're, I was like it's so ridiculous and they're like but it's so like deliciously bad like yeah. and I think part of it is for me like a qualifier again like I think the um showrunners and people that make the show like are in on it sort of like they're playing it up yeah and it it has like a self-knowing in the melodrama and they even Mm -hmm. have like uh one of the characters knows his film history and stuff and like references so it's fun in that way too because i get some of those inside but it's sort of like lowest denominator mentioning reference to those things Yeah. and i know you're not a fan of quentin tarantino but i think he's kind of like the one that mainstreamed again this concept of, like, I appreciate what was considered, like, B-movies, not, like, um, high art, uh, foreign film-type stuff. But he's like, borrows pieces from that into films that are often considered, like, oh, he's doing these new things with it. Like, there's never been a filmmaker like this. But he's borrowing bits and pieces from these um, sort of B-movies. And I think Scorsese has done the same thing with his... Use of violence and the way that he shows it. Um, and, of course, he's a big film historian. But uh, I think there is something else to that of a sort of knowing sense of borrowing these pieces. And you can watch things to see the good parts in them, I guess. Once you appreciate yeah, yeah. those bits out of them. Um,
1: yeah. There's a little bit of, like, cheating up there, a little bit. But, I mean, I think yeah, yeah. Um, to, to talk about something else in the news, like yeah. toxic Star Wars fandom, um, I think that... Um, we might do a whole episode on that. probably right, yeah. We should. Um, th- but there's like, uh, like being being a fan of something mm-hmm. um, is like a is an identity uh, in our world in a way yeah. that I don't know that it was when I was a kid. i mm-hmm. um, like I don't remember. Yeah, it's different. you know what I mean I mean you, you could sort of like establish your sort of uh, personal geography and street cred within mm-hmm. a few minutes by saying that you'd play Dungeons and Dragons and that you <laughs> like Star Wars and you read Lord of the Rings. I mean there's yeah, a couple yeah. things you could check off the list. Um, but now, even like, I was just thinking about like the Star Wars backlash against The Last Jedi mm-hmm. um, and how, um, because of the anonymity of so much of the stuff, like, even if like Ryan Johnson's comments had you know, changed someone's mind, yeah. like, there would still be this um, angry perspective that mm-hmm. didn't like the portrayal of Luke in the show. Whether in like whether some individuals left it and came back, it was yeah. sort of this like political entity mm-hmm. that had an opinion. Um, and I think that it's it's interesting, um, but it, like what like what you like seems to be really important. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I liked, like as the character played Finn and mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson, and some others sort of fought back. They're like, "We made this film, mm-hmm. and we tr- here's some things we tried to do." Yeah, um, you know, and it's like there's there's often such a divide between like the creators. And, I, and and some of it's because yeah. of the, the way like intellectual property laws are, mm-hmm. um, and like sort of the consumers, the fans. Yeah. Um, and I and I don't. I will only say that, uh, like you and I are both. Like we we don't make famous films, but right. we make some films. Yeah. And we do some media stuff. Yeah. Um, and we also sit and like stuff. Talk about Yeah. Um, things we like. Yeah. yeah. And it totally changed the way that I uh, approach stuff, mm-hmm. um, because like you know like. Because uh, I think there's the sense that like before I started actually making film, like the way I showed my coolness mm-hmm. in the realm of media yeah. was by what I liked. Mm-hmm. You know, it like well, you know, and th- and that's in some yeah. sense like in the movie High Fidelity, like that's mm-hmm. how you how some elements of identity are defined yeah. in an artistic space when you are not an artist. Right, um, and I think that. Uh, you know, I would just like to see more people make art. Period. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, right, like right. we live in a world in which that's probably easier than ever, mm-hmm. um, and I love it. And and it's like my kids watch a lot of stuff on YouTube. I really like watching a lot of it. Some of it's just like it's like here's a toy, we open it up. It's an advertisement. But yeah. there's also a lot of like dads making movies with their kids because mm-hmm. it allows us to talk about how the art is created. This is my point, um, and it's that like it like a. There's some things that, like once once we started making films and making decisions and realizing mm-hmm. how hard it is to do stuff, right. how hard it is to make something look the way you want it, how hard it is to take an idea in your mm-hmm. head and get yeah. that to happen on the screen and have it feel the way you, you want it to feel, right? Um, and, and knowing that you may have a hundred ideas, but you make one film, right? You know, um, that like I'm just like far less judgmental mm-hmm. about other people's art. Yeah, and like I'm like that looks great I'm like you know like uh I didn't want to make a slasher movie but your slasher movie is great yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know I like right. the way you did what you had to do to carry our emotions from beginning to the end of it mm-hmm. um, and I think there's like a lot of I don't know there's there's some element of the like toxic Star Wars fandom and other sorts of like destructive elements of fandom that sort of keep things ossified and unable yeah. to sort of grow. That is also part of this sort of like world that creates the guilty pleasure. There's, like you can't you can't be like a true appreciator of film mm-hmm. and like and like that crawl yeah you know or whatever it happens to be yeah um and it I think that lot, yeah. one of the things that I one of the moments that I hold on to from when I was a grad student here and. Was like having lunch with David Bordwell at mm. the Harmony Bar. Okay, he's like, we, you know, we were just talking about stuff, and I was like, I really love Shaun of the Dead*, and he's like, it's almost, it's almost a perfect film. I love it, <laughs> you know. And he's written, and he's, you know, he's a well-regarded critic. I right. mean, he, and he, I mean, I think he has also defined his critical approach as as much more um, broad. Mm-hmm. Like he's not, he's never really isolated himself to just. Art film, right? and he's uh, yeah. I mean, even like from his textbooks and when he would teach, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all about um, embracing really great blockbusters and and really made sorts of films in sort of uh, any genre. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, but it was also uh, just as like a young film person, I was like, oh Mm -hmm. wow, like you you like this too? I like this, you know. And there was a a lot of uh, we we recognize the good in it or the the the, the enjoyable. I mean, I I also think it's a great film. But it's also (laughs) really enjoyable and a different kind of thing than a lot of other, Mm -hmm. you know, certainly in film school is you're like, you know, you got your big rim glasses and you like obscure, you know, Russian documentaries about horses or something, you know. Um,
0: I think, uh, yeah, I mean, a few things you're saying, like... um, I think that conversation. I think you're referencing Ryan Johnson and Christopher McQuarrie was one of them. They were having this Twitter conversation, and also about like film criticism and how that affects them as filmmakers. And at least Christopher McQuarrie was saying that you know early in his career, he would read reviews from critics, and he sort of had the impression that basically they were like coming from the view of failed filmmakers themselves, or they like felt like they would take out their uh, their missed opportunity of them just talking about film and not making film. Yeah. And so they were extra sort of harsh on people and then they said they would talk to critics who then tried to make films and then would like, like you said, they would soften their view of like, man, this is hard and it's hard to convey the things that you wanted to do. Um, and I think that also makes you understand maybe good filmmakers who make big movies or like, you know, move up to a big movie and like all the difficult moving parts of still trying to like bring a vision forward and how difficult that can be. Um, And and I think it it is something to think about like all those moving pieces Um, and and, and making films, not that everybody needs to do that to understand film, but it does bring a different perspective or like a uh, baby driver i think is a good example of like some people criticizing it like it's not about anything it's just like and it falls into a lot of cliches but like the fact was it's so enjoyable to watch those things play out and see um the sort of style and uh craft and work that went into producing that experience for you Mm -hmm. um there's there's a great amount of enjoyment in that even if it's not particularly about anything serious or any issues or anything like that
1: yeah um yeah there's also a bit which i think is related in that there's a like a, a glitz and glamour associated with all of film and all mm-hmm. of Hollywood I mean that's what it, it, it markets like yeah. as a whole but also in like the act of filmmaking itself mm-hmm. um, and I remember this um, there's a book I think it's called Good Omens okay or Bad Omens anyway it's a novel that Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman wrote together okay two of like the most famous yeah. um, authors in a particular genre particular and you know and like mm-hmm. there's a, a part in the forward where like people are also, are also like oh my god like Terry Pratchett like what was it like working with Neil Gaiman and yeah. Neil Gaiman what was it like working with Terry Pratchett you know like yeah. it's like two worlds colliding exploding mm-hmm. in a thousand little things and they're both like yeah it was he's great to work with it was you know
0: it was a job <laughs> it's a guy,
1: yeah. we got the job we did the job yeah. you know we're writers we wrote Yeah, um, and they did kind of this alternating chapter thing mm-hmm. um, which is also something that um, the authors of um, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist did okay. the movie's fine but they, the book is like Really cool and quirky, mm-hmm. and they would like each write a chapter and send it back and forth. Oh, okay. And that's similar to how um, uh, Bad Omens or Good Omens is. Yeah. In um, that, like Terry Pratchett writes most of one character, mm. you know, writes mm, most of the other character, and yeah. they sort of get closer to each other in this uh-huh. situation. Um, you know, and in reading that, I was like, oh, like because it's just they're writing. Mm-hmm. You know, in some sense, like they're you know like Ryan Johnson just made Star Wars. Right and 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 even and like George Lucas just made Star Wars. Yeah, you know, like I, I know I talk about it all the time, but like that that at some it's like it was just the Death Star and it was just a bunch of battleship <laughs> parts in a right. Hollywood studio. You know, yeah. I mean, it it means a lot to us, mm-hmm. um, and that's awesome. But it's also just a thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're working at a totally different level, but like we've written some scripts for yeah. shorts, and we like maybe are passionate about our choices that we made. And then it's on the day you're shooting it. And it comes down to, you know, we only have this last hour to get this done. Right. We have to accomplish this. And it becomes, I wouldn't say it's not enjoyable, but it is work to finish that, yeah. that moment. And we, and it, we don't always get it exactly like how we envisioned it, yeah. but it has to get done um, to be able to do, have something there. Yeah. Right. And there's always choices you can make, but, uh yeah i think it's it's important to consider all of those elements when you're looking at it and, and when i do consider that sometimes i am like i can't believe this thing turned out as well as it did i mean not necessarily even our stuff but just like things we enjoy yeah. that get a lot of criticism and maybe we like but i'm like do you know what had to happen for this thing to be something that we can enjoy you know like yeah. to become what it I mean, is a whole village of people
1: you know that had to yeah
0: to put that together Um, So, yeah, I think maybe we can wrap this conversation up. But uh, I think there's still, like you said, when I'm talking about Riverdale or bringing in Tarantino and how this is elevating it or something, it's still like this need to qualify what yeah. I, why i think it's good and something is not and i still have that tendency if somebody said i can, i don't know if i can think of but like reality tv which we didn't really bring up yeah. which i don't think I don't either of us are really that big of fans but um it, like my best
1: friend in california i mean she like watches the bachelor and the bachelorette yeah
0: like, i mean sometimes we, we
1: meet we talk like once a week yeah on the phone yeah and, like, sometimes we have to reschedule if it happens <laughs> yeah. to be, like, that on night night. at the bed. Yeah. And she doesn't watch a whole lot of stuff, but she watches that. And, yeah. like,
0: the whole, the whole house. I mean, I think, like, a weakness for me would be only, like, cooking competitions. Mm. But I can, like, balance myself pretty well. I think they're, like, again, that sort of snack that I can mm-hmm. easily digest and fall into. But it's not quite at the level I think a lot of people um, see those at. But, like... What makes it that we may feel like, even if we don't state it, like judgment on people who yeah. appreciate those and enjoy them a lot. And we think, well, that's not really something you should be watching or like there's much better things you should be watching, you yeah. know, things like that. So I think it, there's still an element of it. And maybe that's part of the mystery of why we call them guilty pleasures. Yeah. Um, people talk uh cool thanks for listening and feel free to uh respond with some of your own guilty pleasure we would mm-hmm. like to hear about those uh you can email us at extra at gmail.com or you can go to our facebook at atwoodland productions um which is what we produce this under yeah. and we'd love to hear uh more comments about this yeah, and yeah. one thing
1: we didn't touch on actually, which I'll just say as we leave, is like there are <laughs> definitely some like video games which are guilty pleasures. Mm. Um, one I'm, one I'll mention is called Broforce, yeah. which is like you, there's like it's like a crazy old eight bit thing. Your characters are like Brobo Cop, uh-huh. um, like Time Bro. There's uh, <laughs> Ellen Brodley. I mean, it, it's <laughs> really, like a yeah. ridiculous sort of like you're just like saving democracy around anyway. Yeah, and it's just you just blow up Nazis and aliens forever. Yeah. Um, and also there's the they remade like a they made a Space Marine game for mm. um, the Xbox and a other things. It's just, like, bathing in, like, gallons of orc <laughs> blood for hours. <laughs> and it's amazingly entertaining. And speaking of gallons of blood, there's also, like, watching Ash vs. Evil Dead, which I think is... Yeah. Which is fun, but it's also, like, it is pretty...
0: Um, uh, there's a... It's pretty pulpy. Yeah, yeah. there's
1: a buckets and
0: buckets of blood yeah. every,
1: every episode.
0: Yeah, that, that's definitely, I think, sort of a guilty pleasure. And it knows it. Yeah. You know, no, it totally knows they, it yeah. all the way. Yeah, um, And, I mean, also to bring up, like, video games, like, I would admit, and this is, like, again, the mystery of guilty pleasures, like, in the music realm, totally judge people for their choices, like uh, some sort of mainstream music, and I'm just like, Nope. Yeah. can do it so I don't know what that is but um, yeah that's <laughs> cool. weird um, uh, so yeah,
1: do you have guilty pleasures that are music that are video games that are TV shows let us know below
0: yeah alright thanks for listening mm-hmm.